Pastor Jason is uh, sick this morning. He, he, I got a call yesterday evening, and he wasn't doing very well this morning. Uh, he said that uh, he was not able to be here, and so before the service ends, we're going to pray for him. Also, his family. I, I got word that uh, there may be even some children that are, that are sick, and so we're going to stand in the gap for them and pray for them this morning, um, and we'll do that in a little bit. If you will, open, like I said, your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. I want to um, share with you just my heart, really, because of what's on my heart. We are in a season of of Christmas that is uh, wonderful. And uh, yesterday, for all of you that helped with the angel tree and making that possible, we want to thank you for that. And and it was absolutely beautiful having the children here and and giving the gifts and, and being there. And we were able to share the, the good news, the gospel, with the children and let them know that the greatest gift was not a present that they would unwrap, but it was a, a relationship with Jesus. And I was reminded yesterday of Joseph as uh, he was there and he learned about Mary's pregnancy and, and how Jesus, uh, or how um, the angel told Joseph that um, uh, this child is going to be born and He shall be called Jesus because he will be a savior to all men. He'll save men from their sins. And and I love that this morning. And so I want to charge you in this place this morning not to let Jesus be a plastic doll in a manger scene somewhere. But I want you to know that Jesus is real and he's alive, and he's sitting on the throne even now because he was born, and he came upon this earth, and he walked upon this earth without sin. And the Bible teaches us that he gave his life on a cross and that his blood was shed as a sacrifice for you and me this morning so that, in fact, the sins that we had are washed away. By calling upon the name of Jesus, the sins that we had have been cleansed, have done away with. He died on the cross and they placed his body in a tomb. And it perplexed all those that had put their trust and hope in him. For three days he was there in the grave. But the Bible teaches us that the stone rolled away. And when they went into the grave, he wasn't there. And in fact, he came back up on the earth after rising from the dead and walked up on the earth for 40 days. Declaring and preaching the kingdom of God and the manifestation of his presence. And on 40 days, the disciples and all those that were following him watched him as he ascended physically up into the heavens where he is now seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and me. I want to challenge you this Christmas. Don't get caught up and lost in the hustle and bustle of a Christmas spirit that leaves Jesus out of it. Or at minimum makes him a plastic doll that we look at in a manger. But he is alive and well this morning. And we have the beautiful privilege of worshiping him and honoring him and loving him in this place this morning. Amen? It's the truth. He's alive and he's on the throne. And so I want you not to be duped. And I don't want you to lose sight. Because it can easily happen. 
It can absolutely easily happen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. If you would stand. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you that, God, you call us into a dynamic relationship with you that is not fairy tale or made up. But, God, I thank you this morning that you call us into a real relationship with you and one in which you have paid a price, a great price, that we might be cleansed and set free. And God, this morning I pray for us, your church, that God, we would walk in that freedom and we would know that freedom. That God, our eyes would be opened and Lord, that we would see clearly and we would be led by your spirit that lives inside of us. Lord, we honor you and we bless you in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. This morning I want to start by telling you about someone that I know, her name's Lynn. And Lynn grew up in the church. Mom was highly involved in the church. Father was a deacon in the church. Attended every church service and and was there for every time the doors were opened. And as a little child, participated in a Christmas play. And grew up in Sunday school and hearing all of the stories. And Lynn was a little overweight. So as a child, she was teased a whole lot. And as she grew a little bit older, all of her church friends turned their back on her and and excluded her from things that they were doing. And her feelings were crushed. And like any junior high student now, just wanting to be accepted, began looking for friendships. Anywhere she could find friendships. She ended up finding friendships in the wrong crowd. And ended up participating in a lot of things that she shouldn't have. By 6th, 7th, 8th grade, she's using drugs pretty heavily. Sneaking out of the house at night. Going to the parties. Trying to fit in, wanting to fit in. And yet on Saturday mornings, getting up and going to church. One night, as she snuck out, she finds herself at a party and finds herself being taken advantage of by a 20-year-old young man. And her life is forever changed all the more. And she goes deeper and deeper into depression. By the time she's in high school, she's using heroin and addicted to it and, and barely making it through life. But she does graduate from high school only to graduate and then have a few run-ins with the law, find herself in jail, several times, only to get sentenced to prison and then finds herself in prison. In that jail cell, something miraculous takes place. She has an encounter. The Holy Spirit comes and draws near to her and begins to talk to her about her situation. And she begins to cry out. And God washes away her sins forever. And she finds herself seeing herself differently now. 
all the years of abuse and destruction and all the things that have been put on her for years and years and years all of a sudden begin to be changed in this jail cell. And the woman that is behind jail cell finds herself now free and full of the Holy Spirit and full of life and zeal. And she sees herself not as a a dirty old woman, but she grabs a hold of and believes that she's been set free and her sins have been washed away. That she in fact is righteous. And that she is in fact a child of the living God, transformed and changed. And her circumstances no longer hold her in captivity, for it doesn't matter if she be in jail, or if she be at Walmart, or if she be at home in her bedroom, or where, she is set free. And to speak of Jesus is something incredible in her life because she knows him and he's changed her. Oh, that we, the church, would not be duped and blinded by the things of this world and the schemes of this world and all the things that want to delude us from the one who died on the cross for our very sins, and who saved us. I want you to turn with me over to Luke chapter 15. It's an interesting passage of Scripture, but in a very short time, (laughs) the Lord led me here. We're going to look at verse, we're going to start in verse 11, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell you about it. It's about, a, it's about a father. He has two sons. You know the story very well, so I won't give you all the details, but bottom line, it's this. A father has two sons, and he's raised his sons, and, and the younger of the sons begins to feel the pull of the world and, and all those things and decides that he wants his inheritance. And he goes to the father and he says, I want my inheritance now. And the father gives him the inheritance. The scriptures say that the father calls he and his older brother and divides up the inheritance to them. And after having received this, this inheritance, the younger son takes off and runs to a foreign land where the Bible says that he goes crazy in the things of this world. Debauchery. Giving himself over to every lust that he would have buying and purchasing women and and anything else he can to fulfill something that he longed for. Famine strikes the land. He runs out of all of his money and he finds himself in a very needy place. He finds himself with no hope He understands that he can serve the swine their food and and make some ends meet maybe. So he begins feeding swine and, and he finds himself in the place of desperation where he's looking at the food, the pods that he's given to the swine and he begins fantasizing about eating these pods himself because only those would bring him comfort to his empty stomach and and help, and something miraculous takes place in that moment. I want to say thank God for the Holy Spirit. I want to say thank God to the Holy Spirit who woos us and pulls us and reminds us and awakens us. And the Holy Spirit grabs this man's heart and he comes to his... It, the Scriptures say that his, his, when he comes to his senses, he begins thinking about the many of the Father's hired men and how they have more bread to eat and he's dying here with hunger and he's awakened 
And I want to say to you this morning that that's a very powerful point in the story. His eyes were opened. He saw. He realized his need. I want to tell you this morning that I believe in the church there are a lot of us that are walking in great need and yet we refuse to come to the place where we acknowledge that need. We're more concerned with looking good on the outside than addressing the need on the inside. And we play the game pretty good, but there is a great need and we know it deep down in our hearts. And we find ourselves starving spiritually because we're giving ourselves to other lovers only to find out that they don't truly satisfy. And oh, our pride keeps us. Our pride keeps us from coming to that place where we say, I have great need. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before a downfall of a man's heart, it is the fact that he is proud. But humility comes before honor. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And if I can say anything to you this morning, I want to encourage you in something. And that is this. Guard your heart from pride. Walk as a humble man before God and man. Humility. Our great need. Humility. Acknowledging that we fall short. Humility. Acknowledging that at times we get pulled away and lured away. And because of our pride, we refuse to deal with it because of what others might think. Especially in the church. Where this is supposed to be a house of refuge and great mercy, oftentimes we put on masks and we go through motions because we don't want to deal with the very thing that is deep within us. And it's our pride that keeps us from humbling ourselves before God and man. This son was humbled and he saw his great need. He recognized it. In verse 18, we see that he gets up and he says, I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven, and in your sight. And I want to say this to you this morning, that this is a key to walking with the Lord. That you would be one that would walk with a heart of humility and a heart that would be quick to call out for forgiveness to God and to those around you. At times, we give ourselves this privilege to have a beef with a brother or a sister. Or we put up a wall and we say, well, that's okay. And we refuse to go and allow God to work in that relationship. And we allow hurts and frustrations and things to build up. But because we don't want to deal with it, we find ourselves truthfully very distant from God. I love the fact that the prodigal came to a place where he saw himself for who he was and he saw himself for saying, and I can't let anything be wrong between us. He had plans to go back to the Father and to say, I have sinned against heaven, God, and I've sinned against you, Father. We must be quick to repent to God and we must be quick to repent to one another. Repentance, the word repent, means to have a change of the way you think. It's actually, in Greek, metanoia. It means the change of mind. It's what it means when our minds get twisted 
And we get pulled and lured in the things of the world and our minds begin become polluted and we all of a sudden find ourselves doing things that we didn't think we would ever do or saying things that we'd ever think we'd say or entertaining thoughts that we ever thought we would entertain. And that's the reason Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. There is a changing of your mind that needs to be taking place when you repent. But it's also confession. It's also going to one another. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, if you therefore are presenting your offering at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar Go by your way, first to be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. How many of you understand this morning that forgiveness and walking in relationship with brother is very important? And that Jesus is saying here, it would be more important for you to go and to make relationship right, get forgiveness given, get things in order before you come and bring me your offerings. I want to submit to you this morning had the prodigal son not come to that place in his heart where he was ready to repent to God and to the father, his own father, he would remain a prodigal. What I'm saying is very strong here. What I'm saying this morning is, if you have something wrong with your brother or your sister, it's a big deal to God that you get it right because it's going to hinder your worship and your communion with the living God. That's the reason he says, go and take care of that so that you can come back and bring these offerings. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. How many of you have ever had a problem with a brother or sister? Four of us have, thank God. How many of you have ever had the beautiful experience of going and making things right with a brother or sister that was in error and only to find yourself both broken and weeping and praying blessing over one another and Jesus being exalted and lifted up because there was healing and restoration? It was the heart of the prodigal to say, I'll go back and I'll make things right no matter what it takes. I, I will say, I was wrong. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hard men. I just want to get back home. I just want to come home. I just want to be right again. I love the Father's response. Don't you? In verse 20, And he got up, the son, and went to the father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Hmm. And he had compassion for him. And he ran and he embraced the son. And he began to kiss the son. And because the son's heart turned in order to make things right, the father welcomed him and received him. I want to tell you something here this morning. Some of you are afraid to come and get your hearts right with God because you're afraid he's not going to receive you. I'm telling you, that's the whole reason Jesus came and died on the cross, so that a way could be made for you to come back to the Father just as you are. You don't get yourself cleaned up and start doing right and then come to God. No, you come just as you are. And I want to tell you, when you do so, the Heavenly Father gets up and He runs to you and He lifts you up and He begins to hug you and kiss you and dote over you and and restore you and love you. And it's just undeserved. And You're trying to get everything right and you're trying to say, 
hey, I, for, you know, I just want to tell you I'm forgiven. I just want to say I'm sorry. And he's like, forget it. We're back in relationship once again. You know what I love about God the Father? Just like this Father, it's not enough to run and to grab him and to hug him and kiss him and restore him. But what he begins to say is this, Oh, my servants, somebody bring me a robe. Oh, servants, bring me a ring. Bring me the shoes, the sandals. Bring them here. Why? You ever thought about the robe? What is the robe? The robe represents righteousness. You know what I love? As much as I want to and try to and work at being righteous, I just can't. I can't do it. The one who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could begin to be righteous. The one who was righteous gave me his righteousness so that I might be redeemed and set free and changed forever. It's a beautiful exchange God did that for us. If we will simply humble ourselves and come back to Him, He'll throw a robe of righteousness on you. What does righteousness mean? It means that you're in perfect right standing with God. Yes, but what about all my junk? What about all the filth that I've done? What about all the stuff that I went out and and squandered and and loose living and giving all those things? And the blood of Jesus washes you clean. You've been restored. You've been made righteous. Not because you earned it. Not because you did anything. But because there was a Father that loved you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. Put on this ring. In the Old Testament, Joseph became ruler under Pharaoh. You know the story of Joseph. And as he went through all that he did and finally found himself in this position of leadership, Pharaoh took a ring and put it on him to demonstrate the authority that he had. This father runs out to this low-life son who had gone off and squandered all these things, but he didn't see that. What he saw was a righteous one who covered him in righteousness and then took a ring and, and did something amazing, gave him authority. Gave him authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I, Jesus, have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. I want you to know something this morning. If you come back to the Lord and you run to the Lord, not only does He make you righteous, but He gives you authority. That means you don't have to be pushed around or defeated by the enemy anymore. That means you have the authority to to take a stand against the enemy. And I want to say something to you right now. Every devil in hell begins to shake when they hear you begin to talk about the blood of Jesus, the righteousness that has been given to you, and the authority that you possess as a child of the living God. You've been given a ring. He puts on sandals that you may walk in this authority. But what I love about Jesus is When he ascended into heaven, he said, there's one coming that's going to walk with you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. You shall receive power from the Holy Spirit. In this walk that God has given to us, I'm submitting to you this morning that this Jesus who we put our trust and our hope in makes us righteous, gives us authority, and gives us power to walk upon this earth. The Holy Spirit 
is with us. Do you see why the enemy wants to get you sound asleep when it comes to celebrating the birth of the living Savior? Do you see why the enemy wants to dupe you and give you thoughts of, oh, I don't know if we're going to make enough money to pay for the presents, and I don't know if we're going to have the turkey and dressing, and I don't know if we're going to... And we get so caught up in all of these things. And yes, Jesus, yes, I've got him out in the front yard. It's a plastic doll in a manger. And we miss what he's done for us. He's made a way for us. He's made a way for you this morning. Maybe you're here in this place this morning and you say, I don't even know how I got to this place. I don't even know why I'm here at this church. Well, I'll tell you why, divine appointment. God wants you to understand something, that he wants to clothe you with his robe of righteousness. That he wants to call you his child and anoint you and, and give you the authority that is so, of your, so deserved, of, not by what you did, but what the price was paid for you, that you might have that authority. Jesus, the highest commodity, the blood of Jesus that washes away your sins. And if the story ended here, it would be worth shouting for. And it would be wonderful. And the son is restored and the father rejoices and they kill the fatted calf and they begin to worship and, and, and God and they begin to celebrate the return of the son and they're having a big party and everything is wonderful. And then one of the church members, I mean the brother, <laughs> the brother, the older brother, the older brother speaks up. Now, I want you to hear something because I, th- I find this very interesting. In verse 27, or verse 25, the older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. And the older brother rejoiced and was willing to join the party and have a great celebration. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so the father came to him and began to entreat him. Verse 29, and he answered and he said to his father, Look, for many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. Well, first of all, How many of you feel like that's probably true? I've never, ever neglected a command of yours. It gets worse. And yet, you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. And I know he's lying right here because when I started this passage of Scripture and I began to understand what happened, that the younger son demanded his inheritance and it says that the father gave them their inheritance and the older son got two-thirds of everything and the younger only one-third. And here he is standing before his father saying, you never blessed me, you never gave me anything, you never did anything for me. How can I rejoice? I'm so neglected. How can you rejoice? I'm so, I'm a victim. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. And I just can't help but think, how many times have I done that? How many times have I believed a lie 
How many times have I taken the words of the enemy and listened to them and proclaimed them as truth? And I find myself in as much captivity as the younger son. I often think of the prodigal son's story as one about this rebellious kid that was out there. But I want to tell you, it's about two sons that were far from the father. This morning, I want to encourage you in a couple of things. First, I want to just say to you, it's time to be real and see yourself for where you're at. Acknowledge if there be anything in your heart that not be right. Second, I want to encourage you to be one that will walk humbly before God and your brothers and sisters. That you walk with a heart of making relationship right. Forgiveness. It's a big deal to God. Third, that you would be a person that would receive what God has given to you. Righteousness. Authority. That you would take the place that He brings you to and and ask you to step into that place and that you begin to walk as such. And you say, I don't know how. And He knew that and that's the reason He gave us a helper to show us how. And finally, I want to ask you this this morning. Be careful what you're listening to and what you're believing as truth. Because we live in a world where there are so many messages that are coming against us and trying to divert us from what God has for us. The Scripture says it was for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ died. It was for freedom that I may be free indeed because of the price that was paid by the one who loves me. This morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggles are, but I want to encourage you in this. There is a freedom that the Holy Spirit is offering to all of us in this place today. And some of you are walking in it and you're, and you're living it. And I want to encourage you in this hour and in this season, let the testimony come out of you and proclaim it to the, to the highest mountains in this hour. Because the Jesus we serve is alive and He longs for relationship. And some of you say, well, I can't testify because I'm hung up and I'm beat down and I'm destroyed and I'm, I'm all these things. And God is saying, oh, but there's been a price that's been paid for you that you might be free. Come up and lay hold of the freedom that has been given to you. Come up and lay hold of that which has been paid for you that you might walk in the freedom that God has for you in this place. I don't know what God's saying to you. I don't know what He's speaking. But I do know this. He cares about every struggle that you face. And you know what I love about the Lord? There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. We've got the wrong perception of God if we think that He's up there just really broken and disappointed in who we are. You see, when He died on the cross, He took all that into account. He took it all into account. And His Spirit is pulling and wooing, and calling for you not to be asleep in this hour that we call Christmas, but that you proclaim and declare what it's really all about.
Will you bow your heads? I want to pray for us in this place. Father, this morning I come before you, and Lord, I want to thank you for this family. And Jesus, I want to thank you for the price that was paid for my freedom. I thank you for the reminder this morning, Holy Spirit, that it was for freedom that I be set free. I thank you this morning of the reminder that Jesus came to deal with my sins and to wash me clean, and that I'm your child, and that you're not up there disappointed and broken and mad and, 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 and cursing me, but you're, you've actually made a way for me to come and to walk in all that you have for me. Lord, in a room like this this morning, God, there are people that find themselves very far from you. And the truth is, Lord, they've gone after other lovers and they've pursued other things. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken your children. That you'd awaken your children, Lord, this morning. God, they'd come back. God, I thank you this morning that it doesn't depend upon our circumstances. It doesn't depend on anything that we do other than you just coming to us. And, and uh, Lord, we open in our hearts before you. I thank you this morning for the testimony of Lynn who found you in a jail cell. And it was restored. Lord, I thank you this morning that we find ourselves in a sanctuary and God, you're restoring and I just ask you, God, to, to move in the hearts of your people now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work needed in the hearts of your people in this place. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Some of you need to just come before the Lord and Listen to what he says. Because the devil wants to lie to you and beat you up and tell you that you're no good and that there's no, never been a thing that God's ever done for you as a father and, and you feel neglected and, and you just need to hear the voice of God and hear what he has to, to say to you this morning. The good father. Some of you are in this place and you've, you've run after other things and you know it and, and, it's, and then you hear the Lord saying it's time to come home. Some of you are in this place this morning and you know that there are walls between you and brothers and sisters or family members and, and, and you've said it would be okay just to leave those things like that. That you can cope and deal with that and you can get on down the road and do the things that you need to do. And God would say to you this morning, be clean. Maybe you need to go to that person and say, I was wrong. And whether they respond in the right way or not, it doesn't matter. Your heart's right before them and before God. I don't know what the Lord wants to do for you in this place this morning. But I want to challenge you and encourage you to respond to him. We're going to begin to worship here in a few moments. And we're going to just turn our attention back to the Lord and our eyes upon him. And if the Lord speaks to your heart and you need to come down to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray. If you need to come and be prayed for, there are elders in this church, there's leadership here that will stand with you and pray. If you need to go to someone that's sitting beside you and just say, will you join with me in prayer, then do so. I don't know how the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, but I want to tell you something.
He is speaking. He is speaking. Listen to him, honor him, and obey him this morning. Let's worship him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom if you're tired or thirsty There is freedom If you're tired, you are thirsty